0: chapters 27 and 28 of the angel of terror this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox.org this reading by Allison hester of athens georgia the angel of terror by edgar wallace chapter 27 who were the haughty individuals interviewing Jean in the saloon asked Jack Glover, as Lydia's car panted and groaned on the stiff ascent to La Turbie. Lydia was concerned, and he had already noted her seriousness. "'Poor Jean is rather worried,' she said. "'It appears that she had a love affair with a man three or four years ago, and recently he has been bombarding her with threatening letters.' "'Poor soul,' said Jack dryly. "'But I should imagine she could have dealt with that matter without calling in the police.' "'I suppose they were detectives. "'Has she had a letter recently? "'She had one this morning, posted in Monte Carlo last night. "'By the way, Jean went into Monte Carlo last night, didn't she?' asked Jack. "'She looked at him reproachfully. "'We all went into Monte Carlo,' she said severely. "'Now please don't be horrid, Mr. Glover. "'You aren't suggesting that Jean wrote this awful letter to herself, are you?' "'Was it an awful letter?' asked Jack. "'A terrible letter, threatening to kill her. "'Do you know that Mr. Briggerland thinks that the person who nearly killed me "'was really shooting at Jean?' "'You don't say,' said Jack politely. "'I haven't heard about people shooting at you, but it sounds rather alarming.' "'She told him the story, and he offered no comment. "'Go on with your thrilling story of Jean's mortal enemy. "'Who is he?' she doesn't know his name said lydia she met him in egypt an elderly man who positively dogged her footsteps wherever she went and made himself a nuisance doesn't know his name eh said jack with a sniff well that's convenient i think you're almost spiteful said lydia hotly poor girl she was so distressed this morning i have never seen her so upset and are the police going to keep guard and follow her wherever she goes? And is that impossible person, Mr. Marcus Stepney, also in the vendetta? I saw him wandering about this morning like a wounded hero with his arm in a sling. He heard his hand gathering wild flowers for me on the... But Jack's outburst of laughter checked her and she glared at him. I think you're boorish, she snapped angrily. I'm sorry I came out with you. "'And I'm sorry I've been such a fool,' apologized the penitent Jack, "'but the vision of the immaculate Mr. Stepney gathering wild flowers in a top hat and morning suit "'certainly did appeal to me as being comical.' "'He doesn't wear a top hat or a morning suit in Monte Carlo,' she said, furious at his banter. "'Let us talk about somebody else than my friends.' "'I haven't started to talk about your friends yet.' he said, and please don't try to tell your chauffeur to turn around. The road is too narrow, and he'd have the car over the cliff before you knew where you were, if he were too stupid enough to try. I'm sorry deeply, Mrs. Meredith, but I think that Jean was right when she said that the southern air had got into my blood. I'm a little hysterical, yes, put it down to that. It runs in the family, he babbled on. I have an aunt who faints at the sight of strawberries and an uncle who swoons whenever a cat walks into the room. I hope you don't visit him very much, she said coldly. Two points to you, said Jack, but I must warn Jags in case he is mistaken for the elderly Lothario. Obviously, Jean is preparing the way for an unpleasant end to poor old Jags. Why do you think these things about Jean? She asked as they were running into La LaTourbe. "'Because I have a criminal mind,' he replied promptly. "'I have the same type of mind as Jean Briggerland's, wedded to a wholesome respect for the law and a healthy sense of right and wrong. Some people couldn't be happy if they owned a cent that had been earned dishonestly. Other people are happy so long as they have the money, so long as it is real money.' I belong to the former category. Jean? Well, I don't know what would make Jean happy. And what would make you happy, Jean? She asked. He did not answer this question until they were sitting on the stoop of the National, where a light luncheon was awaiting them. Jean? He said, as though the question had just been asked. No, I don't want Jean. She is wonderful, really, Mrs. Meredith, wonderful. I find myself thinking about her at odd moments. And the more I think, the more I am amazed. Lucretia Borgia was a child in arms compared with Jean. Poor old Lucretia has been maligned anyway. There was a woman in the 16th century rather like her, and another girl in the early days of New England, who used to denounce witches for the pleasure of seeing them burn. But I can't think of an exact parallel, because Jean gets no pleasure out of hutting people any more than you will get out of cutting that cantaloupe. It has just got to be cut, and the fact that you are finally destroying the life of the melon doesn't worry you. Have cantaloupes life? She paused, knife in hand, eyeing the fruit with a frown. No, I don't think I want it. So Jean is a murderess at heart? She asked the question in solemn mockery, but Jack was not smiling. Oh, yes, in intention at any rate. I don't know whether she has ever killed anybody, but she suddenly has planned murders. <sighs> Lydia sighed and sat back in her chair patiently. Do you still suggest that she harbors designs against my young life? I not only suggest it but I state positively that there have been four attempts on your life in the past fortnight he said calmly let us have this out she said recklessly number one-the nearly fatal accident in Berkeley street said jack will you explain by what miracle the car arrived at the psychological moment she asked that's easy he said with a smile Old man Briggerland lit his cigar standing on the steps of the house. That light was a brilliant one, Jagged tells me. It was the signal for the car to come on. The next attempt was made with the assistance of a lunatic doctor who was helped to escape by Briggerland and brought to your house by him. In some way, he got hold of a key. Probably Jean maneuvered it. Did she ever talk to you about keys? No, said the girl. She she stopped suddenly remembering that jean had discussed keys with her are you sure she didn't asked jack watching her i think she may have done said the girl defiantly what was the third attempt the third attempt said jack slowly was to infect your bed with a malignant fever jean did it said the girl incredulously oh no that would be impossible the child was in your bed jag saw it and threw two buckets of water over the bed so that you should not sleep in it she was silent and i suppose the next attempt was the shooting he nodded now do you believe me he asked she shook her head no i don't believe she said quietly I think you have worked up a very strong case against poor Jean and I'm sure you think you're quite justified. You are quite right there, he said. He lifted a pair of field glasses which he had put on the table and surveyed the road from the sea. Mrs. Meredith, I want you to do something and tell Jean Briggerland when you have done it. What is that? she asked. I want you to make a will I don't care where you leave your property, so long as it is not to somebody you love. She shivered. I don't like making wills. It is so gruesome. It will be more gruesome for you if you don't, he said significantly. The Briggerlands are your heirs at law. She looked at him quickly. So that is what you are aiming at? You think all these plots are designed to put me out of the way so they can enjoy my money? He nodded. "'and she looked at him wonderingly. "'If you weren't a hard-headed lawyer, "'I should think you were a writer of romantic fiction,' she said. "'But if it will please you, I will make a will. "'I haven't the slightest idea who I could leave the money to. "'I've got rather a lot of money, haven't I?' "'You have exactly 160,000 pounds in hard cash. "'I want to talk to you about that,' said Jack. It is lying at your bankers in your current account. It represents property which has been sold or was in process of being sold when you inherited the money and anybody who can get your signature can satisfy the bankers that they are bona fide payees, can draw every cent you have of ready money. I might say in passing that we are prepared for that contingency and any large check will be referred to me or to my partner. He raised his field glasses for a second time and looked steadily down along the hill road up which they had come. Are you expecting anybody? she asked. I'm expecting Jean, he said grimly. But we left her... The fact that we left her talking to the police doesn't mean that she will not be coming up here to watch us. Jean doesn't like me, you know, and she will be scared to death of this conversation. The conversation had been arrested by the arrival of the soup, and now there was a further interruption whilst the table was being cleared. When the waiter had gone, the girl asked, "'What am I to do with the money? Reinvest it?' "'Exactly,' said Jack, "'but the most important thing is to make your will.' He looked along the deserted veranda. They were the only guests present who had come early. From the veranda, two curtain doors led into the salon of the hotel, and it struck him that one of these had not been ajar when he looked at it before, and it was the door opposite to the table where they were sitting. He noted this idly, without attaching any great importance to the fact. "'Suppose somebody were to present a check to the bank in my name?' she asked. "'What would happen?' If it were for a large sum, the manager would call us up and one of us would probably go round to your bank. It is only a block from our office. If Renette or I said it was all right, the check would be honored. You may be sure that I should make very drastic inquiries as to the origin of the signature." And then she saw him stiffen and his eyes go to the door. He waited a second, then rising noiselessly, crossed the wooden floor of the veranda quickly and pushed open the door to find himself face to face with the smiling jean briggerland end of chapter 27 chapter 28 however did you get here asked lydia in surprise i went into nice said the girl carelessly the detectives were going there and i gave them a lift i see said jack So you came into Turby by the back road? I wondered why I hadn't seen your car. You expected me, did you? She smiled as she sat down at the table and selected a peach from its cotton wool bed. I only arrived a second ago. In fact, I was opening the door when you almost knocked my head off. What a violent man you are, Jack. I shall have to put you into my story. Glover had recovered his self-possession by now. So, you are adding to your other crimes by turning novelist, are you? He asked good-humoredly. What is the book, Miss Briggerland? It's going to be called Suspected, she said coolly, and it will be the story of a hurt soul. Oh, I see, a humorous story, said Jack, wilfully dense. I didn't know you were going to write a biography. But do tell me about this. It is very thrilling, Jean, said Lydia, and it is the first I've heard of it. Jean was skinning the peach and was smiling as at an amused thought. I've been two years making up my mind to write it, she said, and I'm going to dedicate it to Jack. I started working on it three or four days ago. Look at my wrist. She held out her beautiful hand for the girl's inspection. It's a very pretty wrist, laughed Lydia, but why did you want me to see it? If you had a professional eye, said the girl, resuming her occupation, you would have noticed the swelling, the result of writer's cramp. The yawn about your elderly admirer ought to provide a good chapter, said Jack, and isn't there a phrase a chapter of accidents that ought to go in? She did not raise her eyes. Don't discourage me, she said a little sadly. I have to make money somehow." How much had she heard? Jack was wondering all the time, and he groaned inwardly when he saw how little effect his warning had upon the girl he was striving to protect. Women are natural actresses, but Lydia was not acting now. She was genuinely fond of Jean, and he could see that she had accepted his warnings as the ravings of a diseased imagination. He confirmed this view when, after a morning of sightseeing and the exploration of the spot where, 2,000 years before, the Emperor Augustine had erected his lofty trophy, they returned to the villa. There are some omissions which are marked, and when Lydia allowed him to depart without pressing him to stay to dinner, he realized that he had lost the trick. When are you going back to London? she asked. Tomorrow morning said jack i don't think i shall come here again before i go she did not reply immediately she was a little penitent at her lack of hospitality but jack had annoyed her and the more convincing he had become the greater had been the irritation he had caused one question he had to ask but hesitated about that will he began but her look of weariness stopped him It was a very annoyed young man that drove back to the Hotel de Paris. He had hardly gone before Lydia regretted her brusqueness. She liked Jack Glover more than she was prepared to admit, and though he had only been in Cap Martin for two days, she felt a little sense of desolation at his going. Very resolutely, she refused even to consider his extraordinary views about Jean, and yet... Jean left her alone and watched her strolling aimlessly about the garden, guessing the little storm which had developed in her breast. Lydia went to bed early that night. Another significant sign, Jean noted, and was not sorry, because she wanted to have her father to herself. Mr. Briggerland listened moodily whilst Jean related all that she had learned, for she had been in the salon at the National for a good quarter of an hour before Jack had discovered her. "'I thought he would want her to make a will,' she said. "'And, of course, although she has rejected the idea now, it will grow on her. "'I think we have the best part of a week.' "'I suppose you have everything cut and dried as usual,' growled Mr. Briggerland. "'What is your plan?' "'I have three, said Jean thoughtfully. "'And two are particularly appealing to me "'because they do not involve the employment of any third person." "'Had you one which brought in somebody else?' asked Briggerland in surprise. "'I thought a clever girl like you.' "'Don't waste your sarcasm on me,' said Jean quietly. "'The third person whom I considered was Marcus Stepney.' "'And she told him the gist of her conversation with the gambler. "'Mr. Briggerland was not impressed. "'A thief like Marcus will get out of paying,' he said.' And if he can stall you long enough to get the money, you may whistle for your share. Besides, a fellow like that isn't really afraid of a charge of bigamy. Jean curled up in a big armchair, looked under her eyelashes at her father, and laughed. I had no intention of letting Marcus marry Lydia, she said coolly, but I had to dangle something in front of his eyes, because he may serve me in quite another way. "'How did he get those two slashes on his hand?' asked Mr. Briggerland suddenly. "'Ask him,' she said. "'Marcus is getting a little troublesome. "'I thought he had learned his lesson and had realized that I am not built for matrimony, "'especially for a hectic attachment to a man who gains his livelihood by cheating at cards.' "'Now, now, my dear,' said her father. "'Please don't be shocked.' she mocked him. You know as well as I do how Marcus lives. The boy is very fond of you. The boy is between 30 and 36, she said tersely, and he is not the kind of boy that I am particularly fond of. He is useful and may be more useful yet. She rose, stretched her arms, and yawned. I'm going up to my room to work on my story. You are watching for Mr. Jags? work on what he said the story i am writing in which i think will create a sensation she said calmly what's this asked briggerland suspiciously a story i didn't know you were writing that kind of stuff there are lots of important things that you know nothing about parent she said and left him a little dazed for once Jean was not deceiving him A writing table had been put in her room and a thick pad of paper awaited her attention. She got into her kimono and with a little sigh sat down at the table and began to write. It was half past two when she gathered up the sheets and read them over with a smile, which was half contempt. She was on the point of getting into bed when she remembered that her father was keeping watch below. She put on her slippers and went downstairs and tapped gently at the door of the darkened dining room. Almost immediately, it was open. "'What did you want to tap for?' he grumbled. "'You gave me a start.' "'I preferred tapping to being shot,' she answered. "'Have you heard anything or seen anybody?' The French windows of the dining room were open. Her father was wearing his coat, and on his arm, she saw by the reflected starlight from outside, he carried a shotgun. "'Nothing,' he said. "'The old man hasn't come tonight.' She nodded. Somehow I didn't think he would, she said. I don't see how I can shoot him without making a fuss. Don't be silly, said Jean lightly. Aren't the police well aware that an elderly gentleman has threatened my life? And would it be remarkable if seeing an ancient man prowl about this house, you shot him on sight? She bit her lips thoughtfully. Yes, I think you can go to bed, she said. He will not be here tonight tomorrow night, yes. She went up to her room, said her prayers, and went to bed and was asleep immediately. Lydia had forgotten about Jean's story until she saw her writing industriously at a small table which had been placed on the lawn. It was February, but the wind and the sun were still warm, and Lydia thought she had never seen a more beautiful picture than the girl presented sitting there in a garden spangled with gay flowers, heavy with the scent of February roses, a dainty figure of a girl, almost ethereal in her loveliness. "'Am I interrupting you?' "'Not a bit,' said Jean, putting down her pen and rubbing her wrist. "'Isn't it annoying? I've got to quite an exciting part, and my wrist is giving me hell.' She used the word so naturally that Lydia forgot to be shocked. Can I do anything for you? Jean shook her head. I don't exactly see what you can do, she said. Unless you could... But oh no, I couldn't ask you that. What is it? asked Lydia. Jean puckered her brows and thought. I suppose you could do it, she said, but I'd hate to ask you. You see, dear, I've got a chapter to finish and it really ought to go off to London today. I'm very keen on getting an opinion from a literary friend of mine, but no, I won't ask you. What is it? smiled Lydia. I'm sure you're not going to ask the impossible. The thought occurred to me that perhaps you might write as I dictated. It would only be two or three pages, said the girl apologetically, "'I am so full of the story at this moment "'that it would be a shame "'if I allowed the divine fire of inspiration "'that's the term, isn't it, to go out.' "'Of course I'll do it,' said Lydia. "'I can't write shorthand, but that doesn't matter, does it?' "'No, longhand will be quick enough for me. "'My thoughts aren't so fast,' said the girl. "'What is it all about?' "'It is about a girl,' said Jean, "'who has stolen a lot of money.' How thrilling, smiled Lydia, and she's got away to America. She is living a very full and joyous life, but the thought of her sin is haunting her, and she decides to disappear and let people think she has drowned herself. She is really going into a convent. I've got to the point where she is saying farewell to her friend. Do you feel capable of being harrowed? I never felt fitter for the job in my life said Lydia, and sitting down in the chair the girl had vacated, she took up the pencil which the other had left. Jean strolled up and down the lawn in an agony of mental composition, and presently she came back and began to slowly dictate. Word by word, Lydia wrote down the thrilling story of the girl's remorse, and presently came to the moment when the heroine was inditing a letter to her friend. "'Take a fresh page,' said Jean." As Lydia paused halfway down one sheet, I shall want to write something in there myself when my hand gets better. Now begin. My dear friend. Lydia wrote down the words and slowly the girl dictated. I do not know how I can write you this letter. I intended to tell you when I saw you the other day how miserable I was. Your suspicion hurt me less than your ignorance of the one vital event in my life which has now made living a burden. My money has brought no joy to me. I have met a man I love, but with whom I know a union is impossible. We are determined to die together. Farewell. You said she was going away, interrupted Lydia. I know, Jean nodded. Only she wants to give the impression. I see, I see, said Lydia. Go on, Forgive me for the act I am committing, which you may think is the act of a coward, and try to think as well of me as you possibly can. Your friend... Hm. I don't know whether to make her sign her name or put her initials, said Jean, pursing her lips. What is her name? Laura Martin. Just put the initials, L.M. They're mine also, smiled Lydia. What else? "'I don't think I'll do any more,' said Jean. "'I'm not a good dictator, am I? "'Though you're a wonderful amanuensis.' "'She collected the papers tidily, "'put them in a little portfolio, "'and tucked them under her arm. "'Let us gamble the afternoon away,' said Jean. "'I want distraction.' "'But your story, haven't you to send it off?' "'I'm going to wrestle with it in secret, "'even if it breaks my wrist,' said Jean brightly.' She took the portfolio up to her room, locked the door, and sorted over the pages. The page which held the farewell letter she carefully put aside. The remainder, including all that part of the story she had written on the previous night, she made into a bundle. And when Lydia had gone off with Marcus Stepney to swim, she carried the paper to a remote corner of the grounds and burnt it sheet by sheet. Again, she examined the letter folded it, and locked it in a drawer. Lydia, returning from her swim, was met by Jean halfway up the hill. By the way, my dear, I wish you would give me Jack Glover's London address, she said as they went into the house. Write it here. Here's a pencil. She pulled out an envelope from a stationery rack, and Lydia, in all innocence, wrote as she requested. The envelope Jean carried upstairs, put into it the signed l m and sealed it down lydia meredith was nearer to death at that moment than she had been on the afternoon when morden the chauffeur brought his big fiat onto the pavement of berkeley street end of chapter twenty-eight